It's all about perspective with your hosts, Abigail Peterson from Kindergarten Chaos and Principal Robert Hinchliffe. Join us as we discuss education from various points of view. Take the challenge of listening to see if your opinion changes. But no matter where you stand on the issues, remember, it's all about perspective. Hello and welcome to It's All About Perspective. This is episode nine and we are super excited because again, today we have another guest. So Robert, will you please introduce our special guest for this episode? I will. I will. I would like to welcome someone that I greatly respect as a colleague. She's a person that I trust and confide in all the time because she keeps it real with me, which I need. And also she is the brand new principal of the brand new school in Las Vegas, Gunderson Middle School. So I want to say welcome to Pam Lindemuth. Thank you very much for being here. Yay. Welcome, Pam. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. I'm I'm honored to be here. So I want to have you on not only because, you know, we're very close colleagues and we talk a lot about education, but we are also very different in our styles. And so I think it would be good for our listeners to see that there are different leadership styles out there that can be successful. So I thought that was important because I don't want to, of course, make people think that my way is the only way by any stretch. And you're much more successful than I am, I believe. So um, I think it's important to have you on here and share kind of your way to help people, teachers out there or other admins, so they can see that there's not just one way, there's multiple ways to get to the top of the mountain. So to begin, I guess, first of all, why don't you tell us with the new middle school, um, kind of your vision and kind of what you're looking for in the teachers that you've hired. Sure. So I've been asked this by multiple people that have interviewed with um, me after interviewing. We typically have a team interview, 15 to 20 of my teachers join on average every interview that we conduct. And often candidates ask at the end what my vision is for Gunderson. And I tell them first and foremost, it's relationships. Relationships are key to me relationships with uh, staff, each other, relationships with our students, and relationships with our families. And so I feel like that is the core of who we are. After that, really looking at how we form structures and processes within the school to support relationships. I have told multiple people, um, and I've been very open about it, that I didn't have a very good middle school experience. In fact, I would say my middle school experience was incredibly poor. I went to school here in Clark County, and I really didn't have many relationships with adults on campus. There's really only one teacher that I can think of that I had a good relationship with, and Robert actually knows who she is, Small World. She was, I believe, his first principal. She um, was. She, Buck. Yep, she hired me from Washington State. Yeah. And she was my uh, seventh and eighth grade reading teacher. And I became her student aide in ninth grade at the time middle school was seventh through ninth. And, and she was my only significant adult relationship in middle school. And without her, I would have probably completely failed middle school, not just academically, but really emotionally. My parents got divorced. Um, I got boobs. It was terrible. Everything about middle school was terrible for me. Um, I think it is for everybody. (laughs) Between pressure and and peer pressure was difficult. And so having that relationship with her was really critical for me. And so I I first and foremost want to make sure that our kids have multiple adults 
to connect to and feel connected to and that they know they care about them, that they can trust them, that they have a safe place to go to. And then, of course, after that, really having passion about what you're doing and knowing how to teach not just that tier one instruction, but after that, really being able to differentiate for our kids and meet them where they are. Our motto is grit, grace, and grow. And I really firmly believe in those three words. Our kids need to have, even us, we need to have that that grit to be able to persevere mm-hmm. through those difficult things that sometimes don't come easy, that take more than one try. We need to have grace for ourselves and for those around us. And no matter where we are, um, we should be able to grow. Those are the key pieces, the key components for me. The other thing that's really important to me is I have uh, talked with every single staff member about a principal that I really admire, never met him, but I do follow him on Twitter and I've read his book and his name is Hamish Brewer. He's a middle school principal out of Virginia Mm -hmm. and he wrote a book called Relentless. And so one of the questions I've asked every person that's interviewed after they've watched his uh, TED talk is, what are you relentless about? And that's important to me because I want to know what is most important, whether it has to do with school or personal. What is it that you are relentless about? And I share with the staff that I've hired that I am relentless about making good decisions first for kids. This isn't about the adults on campus. It's about our kids. And we do things that are best for kids. And I always keep that at the forefront when I'm making really important decisions. And so, yeah, that's that's the base of, of who we are at Gunderson. That's awesome. I just want to interject. You both come from elementary school backgrounds. Pam, you're moving to middle school, which is a new experience for you. But I have got to know, where did you guys meet along the path? In what meeting did you guys connect? And please tell us that. I've got to know. I'll, so, I'll, I'll go in and I'll start. So um, I was a literacy specialist at Wright Elementary School up here in Mountain's Edge. And Robert came in as an assistant principal. And I feel like we really connected because of his uh, strong beliefs in RTI first. So the school was not doing well in terms of intervention, very specific interventions, tracking that data, changing our interventions, really looking at our practices in tier two and tier three. We really didn't have a tier two or tier three defined. And so he came in and took over that process to his credit, really asked me to be involved in that and taught me that piece. And I knew that I was going to be going through a leadership program in the next year and asked him if he would be willing to be my mentor through that leadership program, which he did. It was happened to be the same program he had gone through. So he was familiar with the intensity of that leadership program, which was pretty intense. And so that's how it started. And then we have just continued to develop our friendship and our collegiality throughout. I mean, goodness, I think it's been 15. A long time. 12 years. It's been a while. Yeah, a long time. You're one of my longest relationships, probably. Which is <laughs> uh, funny. But I You've remember, been around the longest, Pam. Yeah, yeah. In a lot of ways. I've remember... known Robert longer than I've known my husband. <laughs> Uh, I remember walking in like the first time into right. And that morning you were holding an RTI meeting and it was just structured differently, of course, than the way we went to. And, you know, Pam was doing her best as a literacy specialist for sure. She was phenomenal at that. 
I always say Pam knows more about literacy than any human should know. And she's going to disagree with me on that and be humble, but it's true. You do. But then from there, like you could clearly see like Pam was the leader of the school. She was almost like the second AP. And so she just became the person that I would confide in. But then I don't know if you remember this, but when you were going through a cohort, I was like, uh, y'all bet you, you can't beat my score. Oh, I remember. <laughs> Everything is a competition with Robert. Right. Well, uh-huh. and, yeah. And, and she didn't, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. it was just fun from there because, you know, you, when you love, I love admin, I love talking about it, but when you see someone who wants to be in as much, as much as Pam did too, or as, likes it as much as I do, that's like my kind of person. So we kind of bonded and we worked it right. And then of course, after she got through, I was gone from right. So you became the AP there. But it got me thinking though, you know, when I was at right in the AP, I was way different than I am now. Uh, You know, I was, I was much more structured, more firm, like I'm checking things, I'm checking them twice and I'm going to let you know if they're not there. And I've kind of evolved into big picture now. Uh, How have you evolved kind of since you started admin? Very much the same way. I mean, I just don't let the little things matter as much as I did in the beginning. You know, I think I compare it to my journey as a teacher. I look at my first year as a teacher and every little thing, you know, bothered me or mattered. And and I feel like I micromanaged my own classroom. You know, my 38 fourth graders were, had to be in a perfect line, do the perfect thing. And, And, you know, you ease up as you get more comfortable with your craft. And I think the same thing has happened. I also had the luxury when I became an administrator, there were two APs and a principal who were very seasoned um, at right. And so I had the luxury of, of tapping a lot of experience. And so I had a lot of things happen my first year as an administrator. We lost three students. I went through you know, an expulsion process, which doesn't typically happen in an elementary school. Just a lot of things happened in my first year. And so I was really grateful to have two very seasoned administrators who had been um, both at the elementary and secondary level and had, I think, between them probably over 20 years of experience. And so that helped me kind of ease up a little on some of those things that I I could have been really crazy about the the little details and I wasn't. And, And I think some of that just comes with experience and confidence as you learn what's important and what isn't. You learn how to cut the fat and say, this is, this is not that important. I'm just going to let that go. Um, but this is important. And I always stay grounded in my, my belief about instruction and knowing that that is really what my strength is, is instruction in the classroom. It's my favorite place to be as an administrator. I'd much rather be sitting with kids in the classroom, learning right along with them and celebrating the things that teachers are doing because they're working their butt off. And so th- those are the things that I focus on rather than those, those detailed paperwork kinds of things. Um, so I have a question for you coming from elementary and going into middle school. So what do you think that you are bringing to a middle school that other principals who maybe are used to being in a high school model or even middle school, but have never had experience in an elementary school. I'm so excited to see your journey because I think that's phenomenal. So what do you think that you're going to bring from an elementary perspective to the middle school? I, I mean, I, I've never been a middle school principal, so I certainly don't know what it's like to only be, a, you know, a middle school principal. But I, I definitely feel like I bring a sense of community and family to a secondary campus. 
I didn't have that as a middle school student by any stretch of the imagination. And so th- those are really the only comparisons I have. And so I, I feel like I bring that. I This is my ninth year as an administrator. So I do feel like I bring just a variety of experience in general. I do feel like I really understand what it means to differentiate. And I don't know that that always happens on mm-hmm. all secondary campuses. I'm sure that there are plenty of pockets out there where it does. But my experience has been that it doesn't always. And sometimes we're just teaching to that accelerated class or that regular class. And so I don't like that. My goal, you know, would eventually be that we have all accelerated classes and that we really differentiate at a very high level, um, regardless of who's in that classroom. I don't like pigeonholing kids at such a young age. So those are some of the things that I will bring. I, I, you know, it's been a learning curve, learning about master schedule and things like that. But those aren't things that are going to stop me from doing the important business that I know needs to happen, regardless of the the level that we're at on on our campus. So let me ask you a really insignificant question, but I really want to know the answer. So I couldn't wait to go to middle school because you got to have French fries at lunch every day if you wanted French (laughs) fries. (laughs) You know, you got to go up to the cafeteria and and you had all these options, which in elementary school you didn't have. So what's the one thing that you're secretly looking forward to (laughs) in a middle school campus? You know, honestly, it, it has to do with the age. I'm really excited to get to talk to teenagers. Um, I've, you know, I've got a special place in my heart for those kinders and those first graders, but they don't always get the jokes. Uh-huh. Um, so, and I will tell you, I probably need to brush up on some of my pop culture. I am not going to lie. I thought that my husband was going to die when I didn't know who Marshmallow was. Um, for the- <laughs> okay. So here's a tip. <laughs> Are you on TikTok? I'm not. And well, I- you have I to. to. Yes, I've heard. You have to just so you can kind of catch up on this. See this middle part? (laughs) You probably don't get that reference, but there's a bunch of talk on TikTok and pop culture about millennials having always having a side part. So and all the cool kids now have the center part. So I'm like (laughs) Yes. So jump on TikTok and you'll learn some some new pop culture quickly. Robert, I feel like you should be right there. You got teenagers all over the place at your house. Yeah, I don't know anything about TikTok. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to. They, they tell me stuff. I don't even understand what they're talking about. So going back to middle school, it's been interesting because you know, having had middle school students and being elementary based, it's a very different culture in middle school. And you and I have talked about that. So you know, what are some big ideas that you are going to try to accomplish at Gunderson that you feel like could really change the trajectory of middle school? Because I know one of your goals is basically to just that, to change kind of how middle school runs. So like, what are your big ideas? How are you going to make middle school the most amazing experience for kids and not just status quo like it might be in a lot of other schools? Well, part of the reason that I even applied for this position was because I had the ability to hire every person on campus. So it starts with staffing and really finding people that have the same vision and beliefs and philosophies that you do, which I believe at this point I've done. I've hired 64 staff members and honestly, every single one of them are exactly what I want and need in that position. You know, that is a unique opportunity. And so 
I'm going to go right back to relationships. Every single one of them values and understands relationships, which is key and critical. You can find some on a campus, whether it's middle school or high school that believe in that, but not all. Um, and sometimes you, you get this attitude, well, I teach my content. I don't teach kids. And that is not uh, how we're going to do business at Gunderson. And so that's part of it is the staffing. But also really looking at, and you'll understand this, Robert, for sure, because you have a similar model is how do we create a school within a school and build in those SEL lessons and talk to kids about growth mindset and what that really means. And that'll be a part of our structure as well. So we'll have, instead of houses, we're going to have dens uh, because we're the Gunderson Grizzlies and we'll have six dens and our kids will meet in smaller den meetings once a week. I've added 25 minutes onto our school day so that we can have seven periods a day. And if our waiver gets approved, we'll have eight periods on Wednesday and that eighth period will be 35 minutes long. So kids will meet in smaller groups with teachers to talk about those things. What does it mean to have grit? What does it mean to persevere? You know, what does it mean? What does honesty actually really mean? And how do you take responsibility for your own actions? Listen, we make mistakes. It happens. I make mistakes all the time but you own up to it. You learn from it so that you don't make that mistake again. And I have hired an assistant principal who truly believes in her heart about restorative justice practices. And so we will use restorative justice on our campus as our first line of, I don't want to call it defense, but our first line of intervention for kids when they make a mistake. Um, And instead of having an in-house room, we're going to have a reset room. Whether you need to reset for an hour or you need to reset for a week, we'll have a place for you to go to really think about what we need to do to to make better choices and repairing the harm and practicing circle ups and really looking at, at the core. What does it mean, you know, to fix what we've done so that we can do better the next time? So Um, and it's nice to have a partner that believes the same. Right, right, right. So one of the things that I think for next year that we as admin are going to run up against is I think next year is going to be even more difficult for teachers uh, because the students are going to come in not where we would hope they would be. So how do you in middle school with your schedule combat that? I mean, fifth graders are going to come in hopefully at sixth grade level, but of course they've missed so much time. Distance learning isn't fantastic, although the teachers have done an amazing job. One of my fears is, you know, that kids are going to come into second grade and they're going to be mid to late first grade level. And a lot of teachers have never had to work with students who are below. That's not so much my problem, but district wide, I think that could be. So how are you at at middle school going to combat what they're calling as as learning loss? Yeah, I mean, the the research is showing that there's not quite as much learning loss as people think there is. However, we because we added an extra period onto the day, we have 100 minutes of math every day instead of 50. So my expectation in hiring those math teachers has been, and I'm going to tell you, it's not easy to find good quality math teachers. That has been a challenge. We're almost completely staffed outside of math. But really understanding that, that we have to have time built into our math schedule for kids to be able to have practice stations, small groups. And it's difficult to do that in 50 minutes. And so we have 100 minutes in math, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, no matter their level. So that will be one piece. 
but really hiring staff that understand how to differentiate. And that has been a key piece of, of hiring and making sure that teachers understand um, those pieces. We will have some tier one materials that are consistent across the school. I'm not a fidelity person, but I still want them to have those materials available to them, building in common preps, building in PLC time every single week. And then we will do something called cohorting. And so kids will travel through similar teachers so that those teachers have an opportunity to talk with each other about kids and what their needs are and plan interdisciplinary lessons so that they understand the connections between ELA, math, science, social studies. So those are some of the key pieces for kind of catching kids up in general. I'm more concerned about the social emotional piece of our kids returning you know, there's a lot of trauma our kids are going to be experiencing. And so um, I have two phenomenal counselors at this point. We've been super picky about our third and we haven't found the exact fit yet. But our counseling offices are located where our kids are. They're not in a separate building, in a separate office. We have 600s, 700s, and 800s. And our counselors are in the building with the kids. So if they need assistance or help, let's get them that so we can get them back to class so that they're, you know, emotionally doing well. So going back to this year, when you were in elementary school for the first half of the year, what did you find the most difficult piece of being admin with distance learning this year was? Because I struggle, you know, opening a new school is different. Of course, your school was established. So we had a hard time just establishing, you know, staff relationships and and being able to work together. But, you know, at your former school, your your staff was set. What area did you find the most difficult being admin this year as a distance learning principal? Kids are present if they show up for five minutes. And that doesn't mean that they're getting everything that they need to get. So the teacher's teaching it, but if the student's not there and they're not getting it. So that by far was probably the most frustrating. Our model of distance learning isn't truly what, if you look at like an our NVLA model for online learning, that's not what we did. We tried to recreate a day online which didn't work for some families, didn't work for some kids, especially our little babies, our our K-1-2 kiddos, because they needed to have an adult next to them or near them all day long. And that's not feasible for some of our families, especially those families where they have two working parents or it's a single parent and they're working all day. And so they had to send them to the Boys and Girls Club or they had to send them to a rec center and here you have, you know, a teenager running that that program or running that room, and they don't know how to help that kid either. And so that to me is probably the most frustrating um, because I don't know that that tier one instruction necessarily occurred for so many of our kids. The teacher gave the instruction. The teacher provided engaging lessons and learned breakout rooms and figured out how to have kids participate in various ways. But if the kid isn't there, if they're not present for the lesson, that doesn't really make a difference. And so that was that was frustrating. Yeah, on paper, it looks like they were because all they had to do was show up for five minutes or turn one assignment in and they were present for the entire day. So that's that's a, that was a struggle for me. And how do you how do you combat that? We call parents, we do home visits. We have them bring their Chromebook in because for whatever reason, they can't log in or the, the Chromebook isn't creating a charge or whatever the issue is. So you try to combat that as much as you can. Your counselor does well checks, does uh, lunch bunch, everything you can do. 
but they still aren't attending all the lessons. And we'd have them attend maybe in the morning, but not the afternoon. After lunch, it was really difficult to get kids back. I'm curious about how you as a principal deal with strong personalities among your staff. So Robert and I have talked about it in a previous episode. So I'm just curious, your perspective, kind of principal versus principal. Yeah. So when you have a a really strong teacher, sometimes you have a really strong personality that goes with that. It kind of goes hand in hand. And so you have to choose your battles. You have to choose what's most important. Um, And I go back to what's best for kids. So is this something that I'm just going to have to swallow and move on because they're doing what's best for kids? Is this something where I can pull this person in, close the door, have a quick conversation and say, knock it off? Is this something where we're just going to have to say, I really admire you professionally, but we're going to have to agree to disagree? I would say that some say I have a strong personality, but I also really learn how to massage situations uh, to work for both myself and, and our kids. But again, it, to me, it goes back to kids. Um, so let's leave the leave the ego or check the ego at the door and let's talk about what we can do for kids to make it uh, work. What about social media? How do you feel about teachers and social media? I'm not a fan of airing um, dirty laundry anywhere. And so I've already told our staff, you know, you need to lock it down because our we live in a community that's probably, I, I stalk every candidate. I First thing I do when somebody applies for a job is I look on Twitter or Facebook and see what I can find out about them. And I have found some interesting things. And so those are conversations that I'm pretty direct about with, with staff. And especially those that decide they're going to friend every parent or community member and then say things that perhaps they don't want to say. I, it's unfortunate, but I've seen some people get in some hot water by saying things that they shouldn't say on social media. And, and it's the same lesson we give our kids, right? And that's once you put it out there, it's there forever. Um, somebody mm-hmm. can yeah. screenshot it, save it. And um, I've seen outside of education, I've seen some careers and some lives really damaged by something like that. So always uh, proceed with caution. What about specifically education, social media content? So I, I think I'm pretty sure I know some teachers that you used to work with that have very specific education content, social media channels. So how do you feel about that? I know, I know, I I mean, obviously I worked with Robert, so he knew the extent of my social media and, and I know his thoughts on it. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. If we're promoting things that are awesome strategies for other teachers, I think that's wonderful. I, I mean, if that's the avenue we're going down, um, we had some teachers at my previous school that created their own content, created their own curriculum. They were on teacher pay teacher, shared lots of things with other teachers. I think that, you know, we're inspired by other teachers to, to do better, to know better. And so I think those are awesome. You and I agree on a lot of things, but we are very different. What is the area you would say we're the most different in? Because I know what I think I would say, but what would you say? Details. I would say you're not a detail-oriented person. I probably am a little bit more, but I think, you know, this is, I'm going into my 24th year. I think right. every year I become a little less detail-oriented, <laughs> but those do matter to me a lot more than they matter to you. I also think you're a little more blunt than I am. I tend to deliver things uh, a little, you know, a little softer, I would say, than you do. See, that is interesting because I was going to say you're much more direct than I am. And you 
Uh, you will stab people from the front if it's important to you. Yeah, I, I, tend, I tend to do that on a one-on-one basis. Right, so I right, do that right, behind right. a closed door right. and say, you know, yeah. some interesting and pointed things <laughs> one-on-one. Uh, you tend to do that in masses in front of a group. Yeah, <laughs> if you, if someone's, if someone slaps me publicly, then, you know, I, I tend to have poor judgment and will, will do it back, which is never a good thing. But yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I used to be very detail oriented and now I'm not, I'm more big picture, but I always have valued the fact that you have no problem from what I know with difficult conversations with, Mm -hmm. with staff members. And I am more of the, I will sit here and try to dance around it until you can reflect enough to understand why I'm not happy. And you're just like, I'm not happy because, and and I, I I value that about you. I don't like to flirt around stuff. I'm just going to get to the, you know, the meat of it, the point of it, and just say it like it is. And sometimes, you know, that can be hurtful to start off with, but I need that person to understand what my perspective is. I also feel like when that happens, I kind of go to an emotionless place because it's a probably a more of a protection for myself. There's various ways that people describe that. But the easiest way for me to deal with hard conversations, and I've had to have a lot of those over the years, but I need the person on the receiving end to understand the severity of what's occurring and that it either needs to stop or they need to leave. Um, and, and, as is- a, and as somebody who is also a direct person, I appreciate that because I would rather somebody just be very direct with me and just tell me exactly than for me to surmise what they mean. You know, I kind of like don't want to have to figure it out myself. I want you to just tell me directly if you're happy or if you're not. And if you're not, tell me what it is and I'll address it or, you yeah. know. See, and I think I, like with Abby, when we were together, you know, like Abby, there were times I had to tell Abby, like, you can't do that. It, I think I adapt more to the people and that's my way. I don't know that that's, there's no better way by any stretch, but we do what works for us. But I just find it so fascinating when I, when I, you know, reflect and think of you or our other colleague that we talk to a lot, how we are different in a lot of ways on those conversations. Yeah, for sure. And I think it depends on on who the person is we're speaking with too. You know, I, I you have to gauge who you're, who you're speaking with and say, you know, it, is this really worth it? And that's another piece too, you know, how much, how much juice am I going to squeeze out of this, you know, and if it's not worth the squeeze, then why do it? But again, if we're hurting kids, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to know about it. And I'm the type of person, I don't want you to beat around the bush. Just tell me if there's a problem, I need to know what it is and then I'll handle it and and I'll handle it how I'm going to handle it, whether you like it or not. How well do you think adults these days can accept responsibility. So what I mean by that is, are you fine? I'm finding in my career as it goes along that, uh, you know, like when I have to be talked to from our boss, if it ever happens, which it does, um, I just say, you know what? You're right. It won't happen again. I accept that I did that. Have you found that a lot of people can't do that? I think it has to do with how reflective we are, right? Or how, like, I don't like to make mistakes. And so if I have to be spoken to about something, which I don't usually have to, um, I don't like it. Um, And so I'm going to correct it if it's something that I know is a real problem. But I I think so much of that goes back to personalities. And I think teachers in general are 
most of them, um, in my experience, they're, they're perfectionists. They don't want to make a mistake. They want to do it right. And so how open are you to feedback? Um, I found some are very open and some are very closed. And so it varies from person to person for sure. So, so when they're really closed, how do you deal with that? And the reason like if people are out there listening and they can't reflect, I want them to have an example of if you can't reflect, then, you know, this could happen. It's going to go back to grow. You know, if you can't reflect, it's going to be very hard to grow. Um, or if you're constantly on the defense and that wall is up, then you have very little room for growth. Or if you only want to be reflective on your terms. Um, and I've definitely worked with people that way um, and some fabulous educators. But that doesn't mean you don't have room to grow and that you don't make mistakes. We all do. It goes back to that growth mindset, you know, and and not everybody has it. And so those are tough. Those are well, probably I- the toughest. And I think one thing that the last year has taught us is that we don't know it all. We don't know it all because who would have ever thought that we would be teaching online? You know, I know many of teachers that have said, I didn't sign up to teach online. I didn't sign up to teach from home. And so I think definitely this last year has has proven to us that we don't know it all. And there's always room to grow and there's always room to advance. I agree. Absolutely. So again, going back to it, I think too, like looking at this year, what's your perspective on, on testing and data and where do you lie on that? I mean, I, I know, of course, that's why I'm asking you, but because you have the people that can't reflect and then you have going kind of coming off what we're talked about, they can't reflect. So then, you know, in a normal year, you throw data in front of people and they can't reflect. Where do you kind of lie on that with respect to just teachers and looking at data? I struggle with the just taking a test on a computer and using that data. You know, I, I think to me and, and Robert, we've talked about this before. It's, it's just getting the best that we can get out of what we have left this year and kind of regrouping next year with our kids. Even those formative pieces, you know, of data that we have, there's no solid guarantee that that's exactly where our kids are. I mean, you do the best you can with what you've got. Um, but when I look at like map or SBAC data, I struggle um, with that. And, and you have to take it with a grain of salt. You know what I mean? I, I know the SBAC will be in person. And so at least we'll, we'll have some sort of a gauge on where, how our kids can perform on their own independently. But, you know, we had multiple situations where we had to ask a parent several times to step away from the computer because they were assisting. Where do you, because at your last school, you... I mean, you guys were ranked very high in our in our system, and and that's a testament to you and the the staff, of course. Where do you land on the way that schools are ranked in our system, the star system, you know, with a hundred points possible? Because at you'll probably talk about this at your free, previous school, growth is hard, and you know, growth is a big component of this system. So, how do you feel about that? I wish it was more growth than anything. When you look at just general proficiency, if you have kids that are coming in two, three years behind, there's only so far you can stretch a rubber band, right? And so I wish that growth were a larger portion or percentage of that because I feel like that really shows, you know, the business we're doing. However, it's difficult at a school that's already very high performing because again, how far can you stretch a rubber band? So I struggle with the ratings in general. I know it's just part of who we are and and it's not something that we can avoid. It's a one part of a puzzle, which is what I always told our staff. 
Um, it is not the end all be all. And I know that they, you know, that those scores were important to them because it was their reputation and part of, of their identity. But I always let them know that for me, that was one test, one piece, one part that the picture was so much bigger than that. It is. It is. It's hard, though, you know, because let's just say that your, you know, your former school dropped to four stars. That would bring upon a lot of challenges to you within the community, that community. So it is just one piece. But the the bad part is, is that the public only sees that piece. Mm -hmm. They don't see how well you have made this kid grow or taught this kid, you know, how to overcome adversity. So one of the things that I struggle with is that the public doesn't get the full picture based upon that one score. And if that one score is not up to their standards, if they care, then, you know, then that reflection is right back on you, which may or may not be fair. I think that just comes with communicating with your, your community though. You know, I've seen principals out there where it's not a five-star school, it's a three or a four-star school and they are, you know, really working hard and making gains in other areas and really pointing those, those pieces out to a community because you're right. What all that they see or hear is what is published on the front page of the paper or on the CCSD parent page or whatever it is. And so some of that has to do with your own communication system. And I know that, you know, some of your girls are at a a high school where the principal is really good about communicating very clear, you know, what's happening. And so I think some of that's on us. So yeah, this is one test, but I want you to see the other things we're doing that are, are really awesome as well. True. So we always end our podcast with uh, what we call rapid fire. If we have a guest, uh, Abby went first, I went second. So you are fourth, which is awesome. Quick questions. Just what comes to your mind? You can expand upon it. You cannot. So here we go. Who inspires you in your life? My daughter, first and foremost. And then educators that are out there professionally, educators that are out there really grinding it out on a day-to-day basis and making a difference despite, you know, whatever the challenges are. So the next question is who inspires you and Ed? And I know right now you're big on Hamish Brewer. So why does Hamish inspire you to be relentless? Uh, He's all in. And he, he repeatedly says, I would go through a brick wall for my staff and my students. And I'm, I'm a very loyal person and I am the same as Hamish in that aspect where if our staff is out there doing that, then we should be doing the same. I will go through a brick wall for staff and students, particularly staff that are out there all in doing everything they can for kids. There's not much I won't do for them. What annoys you the most about your job? The paperwork. Those are the pieces and the parts. There's so many hoops um, to jump through for, for piddly things, you know. Having to buy supplementary materials, I have two pages I have to fill out to buy one piece, one one material, which has to then be approved my, by my boss before I can send it into the bond department to then have it approved for submission for payment to then order it. It's just, that's just one example. It's just, there's so much paperwork and every Friday there's another survey to fill out. Those are the little things that just take up a lot of time when I could be spending my efforts on something else. Kind of a side side question there. What percent of our time do you think we spend on items that do not affect student achievement? Well, at 50%, if not more. I would agree. I would say if not more. What do you want from your colleagues in middle school or just in general? What do you want from your administrative colleagues? 
openness, a willingness to share and, and collegiality, true collegiality. And that, that doesn't always happen. What do you hope to accomplish the rest of your career? I have six years left. I hope to build up Gunderson to be a middle school that I want to send my own daughter to. What do you want most from your employees? All in. I want them to make decisions that are best for kids, not for themselves. We're not in the business about adults. We're in the business of kids. And I will do everything I can to shield them from the the parts and pieces of the district that they don't need to know about so they can do that, but to truly be all about kids. What is one lesson or piece of advice you received that you can share with everybody? Uh, check your personal stuff at the door. What is your favorite memory or accomplishment during your career? It would be... My first year as a teacher, I started in January. I did my student teaching in the fall. And uh, Richard uh, came to me and I did a, a readers and a writers workshop. And Richard, a fourth grader, came to me in March. And he said, I was Norton at the time. And he read a Matt Christopher book, which he wrote books about sports. And he said, Mrs. Norton, this is the first book I've ever read cover to cover. And he had a tear roll down his eye. Best, that was by far the best memory. And, and there, he did that because he had the opportunity to truly read a book cover to cover. He had never been given that opportunity before. Awesome. Last one. If you could change education in one way, what would it be? Take the politics out of it. Take the politics out of education and make it about what it should be, which is kids. And we, that doesn't happen nearly as much as it should. We have people making decisions about education that have no business making decisions about education. That's a great, Agreed. great answer. So, you know, I think you're amazing and I appreciate everything you've done for me and with us in our careers. And I appreciate you being here. It's always a pleasure just to get to talk uh, education with you. So as a, in a personal and professional manner, thank you very much for our, our very long relationship. And may we have many more. Years. Yes, I've got six <laughs> years left to talk education. And after that, you know, you can hire me as a CTT and we can talk about whatever you want. <laughs> I love it. Thanks, Pam, for joining us. It's been a great conversation for me to be able to just kind of sit back and listen to two admin share kind of their, especially your vision, but knowing what Robert has already shared about you to me. So I am excited to watch your journey at Gunderson. I think it's going to be amazing. I love your grit, grace, and tell me the last one again. Grow. Grow. That's right. Yes. I love those. I, I, those are amazing. So I look forward to watching you. I think people can find you on Twitter, correct? Yeah. At CC, uh, is it Linda Muth CCSD, I think is what my handle is. If I remember right, I created it so long ago. Linda Muth, which is her last name. CCSD. When you get a chance to share Gunderson's <laughs> website as well, because you've got some amazing things already yeah, going on there. Yeah, it's just um, www.gundersonms.com. It's pretty easy. And my Twitter handle is CCSD. That's awesome. Thank you for joining us today, sharing all your wisdom and all of the amazing things that you plan to do at Gunderson. But always remember that no matter where you are or where you stand on the issues, do you know what to say, Pam? It's all about perspective. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We would love to hear your perspective on this episode. Head over to our Instagram page. It's all about perspective 2021. 
or our Facebook and Twitter page and share your opinion. Don't forget to subscribe or rate and review on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast. And one last thing, remember, it's all about perspective.